Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brew Church Podcast. My name is Fabian. I am your host, and I'm glad that you are listening. If you would, please hit the plus button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on Spotify as a way to help more people find this audio content. This audio is recordings from our Sunday gatherings. And if you would like to support what happens here on this podcast or in the Brew Church community in general, there's a giving button in the description of this. Uh, We hope that this is helpful for you and that you gain some good tools to lead to a life of abundance. Enjoy. I feel like I'm at open mic night, you know. It's like, well, maybe I should can this, and we just start telling jokes or something. So, yeah, feel free to heckle, you know. It's okay. I'm good with that. And, you know, if this gets a little too intense, you need a refill. It won't hurt my, fin- uh, you know, won't hurt my feelings. If you go, can you guys hear all right? Testing one, two. I'm terrible with mics. I tend to talk like this, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to talk like this. And then, so I'll do my best. Anyway, hello. As uh, Fabian said, my name's Richard, and I'm... I'm honored to, to have the opportunity to share with you my ideas today on eco-spirituality and how my view of God in relationship with our planet has kind of transformed the way I see the world um, over the last few years. Um, a little background information about me. I grew up in Kansas City, uh, you know, grew up in the Methodist Church. Uh, so usually I'm hanging out at the North Oak campus. Um, one of my favorite places in the whole world to be is up in the mountains. Uh, I was telling somebody a while back, I said, you know, I can see God in the mountains, but I don't see God in Kansas City all the time, you know. And so that's one of my favorite places. And, of course, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, things to do is snow skiing. And so give it up for the uh, Colorado mountains and the Utah mountains. I actually left here when I was 18 and went to Utah to be a ski bum. So it was all good. So um, anyway, uh, so... I retired from corporate America after about 30 years, 30 plus years uh, last November and kind of felt a call to learn more about my spirituality and potentially ministry. So I'm at St. Paul School of Theology now uh, working on an MDiv. Somebody I said, what do I do next? And they're like, go get an MDiv. I'm like, what's that? And they're like, it's like, you know, eight years of school. It's like, oh, OK, I don't have nothing else to do. So anyway. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of my family. Uh, I have a wonderful wife, three grown kids. Uh, a granddaughter, two dogs, two cats. My son has two dogs. My one of my daughters has, you know, a dog and a cat. So it's a math quiz. There's that, you know, if you're following the math, we got more animals than people in our family. Even if you include my son-in-law, who's a great guy. So um, <laughs> when it comes to like religion, spirituality, uh, we're an extremely plural family. Lots of different theologies and philosophies are spinning around our environment. So. Always makes for fun dinner conversation, you know, when you're sitting around. But so, given our love of animals and nature, I mean, that's just like dear, near and dear to all of us, though. That's probably our common bond. Um, you know, we try to be environmentally sensitive family. You know, we do our best to recycle, choose eco-friendly products when it's convenient. You know, do our part, right? Well, one of the products that I just have this love, I had this love for, are these. Water bottles, plastic water bottles. I mean, what a great invention. Portable water, right? I mean, growing up, the kids, you know, if you had kids, activities, you run around, we'd go through cases of this stuff. I mean, I think we kept Costco in business for about five years. <laughs> you know, and if, you know, I never really worried about because it's like, oh, yeah, we're always big into recycling, you know? So we'd go, you know, make sure we recycle. I'd have tons of these. 
I think it's leaking on me. Anyway, um, you know, so we'd make sure everything got recycled, but, um, and, you know, everything, I mean, just leave me alone, right? I'm fat, dumb, and happy. I'm good. I got my water bottle. It's like my pacifier. And then, and then one day something happened. Uh, I got this frantic phone call from my oldest daughter um, who was living in Oregon at the time, and she's like, I asked her, hey, what's up? She's like, Dad, Dad, you got to stop buying those plastic water bottles. I'm like, okay, like, are you okay? Is everything all right, you know? <laughs> she's like, no, no, seriously, man, you gotta, quit, you gotta quit buying these water bottles. And I'm like, okay, you know, she's pretty, you know, she's pretty out there on a lot of things anyway, but I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And so she proceeded to tell me that she's at this rally of this, you know, protest, you know, for, that was in the community where these people were protesting one of the bottling companies was trying to get like water rights and land rights, you know, and the community was fighting back. And I'm like, okay, um, well, you know, I, I hear you, okay, cool. Um, I'm in Kansas City, I love my water bottle. The water's gotta come from somewhere anyway. Um, you know, it's cool, yeah, all right, cool, whatever. Um, so yeah, thanks for letting me know. And like a good parent, you know, I blew her off and I didn't really think too much about it. And then, a couple months later, she came home to visit, and she walked in the garage, and she saw a couple of cases of the exact same company bottles laying in the garage, and she <laughs> flipped out on me. I mean, she started going off. She was so mad, and she's just like, you don't care about anybody else but yourself, do you? And I'm like, whoa. And then it's like that Pearl Jam, Jeremy song. She hit me with a surprise left, and she's like, she's like I guess you don't love your neighbor, do you? I'm like, ouch, wow, okay, I know where you're going with it, I don't understand, but I hear you, so I lost, after losing a lot of sleep over that, I decided, you know, I better do some research on this and kind of figure out what's going on with this whole water bottle issue, and I started uncovering articles and documentaries that just absolutely blew my mind, so probably the best thing to do is I like to share one of them with you, and uh, then you can kind of understand kind of what I got hit with there. Yeah, so much for open mic night. Um, pretty disturbing yet powerful message, to say the least. You know, I'd heard about this great Pacific Ocean, you know, uh, ocean patch, but I had no idea there was like actually a landfills floating around in our oceans. You know, the more I thought about this and this video and others that I came across, I just I had more questions. Right, I wondered. Is this whole thing about global warming, you know, the planet's way of saying too much, um, and now the oceans are crying out, where does it stop? And what are we supposed to do about it if recycling isn't the final solution? It's not the end all be all. Do we ban plastics universally? If we do away with plastic water bottles, I'm thinking how do we get water to People that are, you know, suffering natural disasters, hurricanes, typhoons, all that stuff, homeless people. How do we get water to people that need it uh, in impoverished countries? And what about flying, traveling around the world? I mean, it seems like, you know, my plastic water bottle is the only option. And more importantly, how does this relate to loving my neighbor? You know, how does that fit in? So to try to figure this out, I stumbled on, as Fabian said, to this idea of, you know, eco-spirituality and trying to understand this conflict I was going through about lo how loving my neighbor 
applies not only to humans, but also to the planet. And so I found this thing called eco-spirituality you know, eco in the academia world. We call it eco-theology. So that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about today. And, and so what is it and why it's important? So, you know, you got a new term there. I don't know if any of you have heard that term, eco-spirituality. So what do you do? You, you, know, you go to your most reliable source, right, Wikipedia. And uh, Wikipedia says it's the connecting the science of ecology and spirituality. It brings together religion and environmental activism. According to the environmentalist Sister Virginia Jones, eco-spirituality is about helping people experience the holy in the natural world and to recognize their relationship as human beings to all creation. It's like, okay, I, yeah, I see the holy when I'm up in the mountains, and uh, but it's still struggling a little bit. And I said, okay, we got eco, we are, we got Wikipedia's version. Let's go see what the Catholics have to say about this. So, you know, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops always has a little, you know, a little, a little more edgy. Um, tone to it. So ecological spirituality begins, as any spirituality must, by authenticating moral practice. No one is holy who is not first good. Hence, disciples who are spiritually alive actively seek to discern God's will and act as collaborators with God. To act as collaborators with God, I thought. That's, that's new. It's kind of intriguing. So the more I started thinking about this whole eco-spirituality, eco-theology thing, you know, ecology, looking at the environment, studying nature of God, depending on, it, it doesn't really matter what spiritual belief system you, you know, affirm or believe in, if any, but for me, it helped create this bridge that spans the gap between my spirituality and the relationship I have with nature. My Christian teachings of how God created order and beauty with all of creation, the peoples, the animals, plants, water, air, everything, matching that up with what Jesus' greatest commandments, love God with all your heart and, all your, and love your neighbors yourself, has helped me think differently about who my neighbor is. The idea of loving your neighbor goes beyond my street, my neighborhood, and includes the entire planet. All things that God brought into existence and created order with I now see as my neighbors. So I've made this, now that I've made this connection, linking creation to the definition of my neighbor, I still was troubled by what my daughter, you know, her critique and how my, this new understanding of eco-spirituality could really change anything. I kept searching, I kept trying to learn, looking at the text, looking at the Bible, looking at what Buddhists say, what Hindus say, everybody says, but I kept coming back to this problem, this problem, that something could be so good and bad at the same time. How do we reconcile that, you know? These types of issues that we live and participate in a capitalist system that promote products, that provide mutual benefits, but somehow through our use, we end up causing oppression without even knowing it. Eco-theology and other social justice theological studies refer to this as corporate sin. I think Fabian touched on that a couple weeks ago. So, you know, I was, I'm familiar as a Christian of individual sin, right? You know, that's what they teach us. Feel bad about what you do. It's all good. But this idea of corporate sin, it was like, whoa, what is this all about? So staying with my little water bottle here, you know, let's see if we can kind of unpack that a little bit. So we consume water in this amazing portable vessel, I call it because that's what the system's providing us right now. 
then, you know, we see these bottles lying around on the ground and stuff. We're like, oh, hey, we should probably do something about that. Let's pick them up, put them in the recycle bin if we see one. If not, let's get it in the trash because we don't want to see the trash, right? But the video showed there's a much bigger problem brewing here. And it's with the life cycle of these products, which most of us never see. If my daughter hadn't have had that experience in Oregon, I wouldn't have known anything about what's happening on the front end of this. And the last time I checked, we don't have any beaches here in Kansas City and where plastic debris is going to come ashore. So it's really hard for me to conceptualize what happens to the product after I responsibly dispose of it, right? There's billions and billions. The, the numbers are staggering. I'll let you look them up. Billions of water bottles produced every day in the world. And that's what our corporations want us to do, right? That's, they're gonna make billions of dollars selling this stuff. But that's the system we live in. So, but there comes a time when too much of a good thing can turn bad. For me, understanding this idea of corporate sin has really been the key for pulling the covers off these product life cycles and motivates me, motivated me to learn more about how my decisions as a consumer affect my neighbors. So Romans 12.2 reminds me that it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That, what that tells me is don't ever stop trying to learn something new. Keep learning. So how do we move forward to start making positive changes within the constraints of our corporate systems? I mean, for me, it's overwhelming to think, where do you start, right? Well, my faith again in Christianity, Jesus' ministry serves as a great example, showing how he had to work within the Jewish and Roman corporate systems during his day. His examples found in the gospel writings show us how we can love our neighbors, even in these flawed systems. Following Jesus helped me realize the potential for participating and offering the good news of hope and reconciliation, even against all odds. So in some of this study I was doing, I ran across this idea called refugia. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. Basically, refugia is defined as habitats and components of biodiversity retreat to, persist in, and can potentially expand from under changing environmental conditions. They are basically pockets where life survives in a crisis, places where capabilities rebuild, and where nature renews itself through disturbance, disturbances. Refugia is a concept in which hope and healing can emerge amid terrible circumstances. So one of the books I read, and it's you know very academic, but it was a really cool book. It was uh, Refugia Faith. It was by a lady named Deborah Reinstra. Had this example, and. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember when Mount St. Helens erupted back in 1980. We got one nod. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> two, we got two, and I got three. Anybody? Yeah, okay. So let me tell you what happened. In 1980, there was this big volcano called Mount St. Helens, up, and it blew. It blew its top off. But it covered ash and killed everything, the plants, the animals, everything within miles of it. And scientists said, there's no way. This is going to take decades and decades for life to come back. But underneath those pockets of ash, microorganisms survived. 
And through working together in like a chain-like fashion, life started to emerge. And as the plants returned, the animals returned, and all this took place in like a third of the time that our smartest scientists thought could happen. So this really got me thinking about this concept of refugia and where, I, where, where are other places I might see this. So time for another story, right? I was uh, skiing, my favorite thing, right? With my son and we stopped in to get a little drink and I'm like, hey, what do you want? Let me go grab something to drink. He goes, yeah, get a couple bottles of water. <laughs> I said, yeah, sure, let me grab a couple of those. But anyway, I'm like, yeah, we're thirsty, you know? This is my uh, normal water bottle. I don't like skiing with it in my backpack because I fell on it one time and it really hurt. But um, anyway, so I'm looking around. I don't see any water bottles anywhere, all the cases, everything. I'm looking. I'm like freaking 10 minutes. I'm like, where's the water bottles? So I asked one of the guys working there. I was like, dude, where's your water bottles? And he goes, it's right there. I said, no, man, I don't want a beer. I want a water bottle. He goes, uh, dude, those are water. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, whoa, it looked like one of those Bud Light, you know? It's these aluminum water bottles. I'm like, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. This is mind-blowing. I'm like, what? what? I'm like, you're crazy. And they, there's no plastic. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait to get some of these and take them to my daughter, you know? But it was like, it's like it's this game changer, right? Um, and I thought, well, why are they doing that? What's the big deal? Well, I started doing, you know, well, now you guys are starting to get this pattern, right? I'm like, okay, mind blown. Now I'm going to go research it some more. And so, you know, I start looking, and Steamboat Springs is just like Copper Mountain, right? They have this zero plastic initiative. And they basically said, you know, in their sustainability report, the environment is one of our core values. It's really special to us. We keep pushing to ensure we're sustainable and contributing to a better footprint. The decision to switch to, switch to aluminum is primarily because it's more profitable to recycle and its quality doesn't break down each time it's reused, kind of like in, they were showing in the video. It's healthier for the environment because of its infinite shelf-like life. I'm like, wow, here's a company working within the system to bring about their initiatives and positive change in the world. So yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I was looking all around town and I found two water bottles, same exact water bottles. I'll try to keep talking and hold at Sprouts. They're exactly the same, $1.49.99. That's 50 cents more for the aluminum bottle. Well, yeah, they're expensive. Go try to order them on Amazon at 30 bucks for 20 bottles. But the point is, within those capitalist systems, we all know how consumerism works. If the demand's there, the price is going to come down. Now, people are going to argue all day long about plastic versus aluminum. And that, that's, you know, part of the point is, I learned something new. And that's what's really important about this, that change is possible. And it can happen with incremental steps. So I started looking around, and they mentioned a company called Four Ocean in the, uh, the video. And they're basically a public benefit corporation and a certified B Corp that are basically f harnessing the power of business to go do a global cleanup, you know, and try to recover. And they recover millions of pounds. And they've been working on this for years to try to figure out how do we get this stuff out of the ocean. Well, okay, another company, Patagonia, started 1% for the planet. It's like, just give 1% of your profits for environmental and social justice causes. Um, I was at a vegan festival uh, down at Swope Park a couple weeks ago or a month ago, and Compost Collection KC does composting. 
don't know if you ever heard of them. It, it's like, okay, they come by my house twice a month. I put my coffee grinds in there, the you know, paper towels, pizza boxes, whatever. Things, mostly a lot of things that city recycling won't take. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Well, what's the point, right? You know, well, I didn't know this, but when you put your food scraps in a landfill, it creates methane gas when it basically, you know, decomposes. But if you compost it, it creates carbon dioxide. That's a huge delta for environmental concerns. So, um, yeah, this is my um, grocery bag too, because I don't like the plastic bags, you know. But, you know, Price Chopper takes them, they recycle them, and I used to go to Hy-Vee and they had one and they got rid of it and I asked them where it went. They're like, oh yeah, the guy, the people who are doing it weren't doing it anymore. I was like, are you gonna get somebody else? Uh, no. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to shop there. But I still go there, but, you know, I always take, try to take my bag or use paper. But So, and then bringing it back to the whole idea of my spiritual belief systems, you know, faith traditions are now starting to create these um, creation care ministries. And the UMC has a group of, it's called Caretakers of God's Creation, and it's grassroots community that believe in a relationship with God, creation, and ministry for the caring for and healing of the earth are integral to what it means to be Christian and United Methodist. So, friends, the point here is not really about water bottle bashing. It's about learning new information. It's about opening our minds and hearts. Our God of creation deserves our best. Taking the time to hear what other people have to say and the willingness to learn something new and sometimes disturbing information is what's really strengthened my faith and helped me grow in a more compassionate person towards the environment and my fellow co-participants. I believe we're called to go forth and spread the good news of reconciliation, healing, and love. Through activities like Refugia, we can come together as small communities, engage in activities that incremental actions can grow to significant changes. Eco-spirituality offers me a new way of understanding why this is important. I want to leave you with uh, a closing quote. We are all here on this planet, as it were, as tourists. None of us can live here forever. The longest we may live is 100 years. So while we are here, we should try to have a good heart and make something positive and useful of our lives. Whether we live just a few years or a whole century, it would be truly regrettable and sad if we were to spend that time aggravating the problems that afflict other people, animals, and the environment. The most important thing is to be a good human being, the Dalai Lama. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Peace and blessings, everyone. <laughs>